So we we're in a series on, on money. We're in a series on money. And, and we've been talking about finances. We've been talking about dollars and cents. How many, has anybody here got anything out of this that's been practical? Yeah, okay. So today I want to get even more practical with, with finances. And, um, and, and, and so uh, getting into this, it's kind of funny. This is the only series where I feel like I have to put a disclaimer on the front side of it. Right? Now, if I talk about faith, I don't have to be like, oh, no, people aren't going to send me angry emails. You talked about faith, you know? Nobody's going to say that. So, you know, every once in a while it's like, you know, you got to talk about money. Well, why do we talk about money? Because it's in the Bible. It's actually in the Bible quite a bit. Um, and, and, uh, and so if, if it's in the Bible, we're going to talk about it. And, and just to refresh, like we're not doing this out of a, a place of, um, oh, no, we don't have enough money to pay the bills. The church is actually in a fantastic financial condition. And um, it actually, it's kind of funny to even teach on this in our church because, quite honestly, you guys are so faithful at giving um, that it seems almost like, well, I don't really need to talk about this very often. In fact, it's been a few years since I've even talked about it. But it, in a cycle of what, what we're reading and doing in, in Scripture, you gotta, it's got to come up every so often. It's the one subject that people get a little bit touchy about. Can I be honest? Right? It gets a little touchy about that. So anyhow, I'm a kid. says, hey, mom, can I have 20 bucks? The mom's like, what do you think, I'm made of money? The kid thinks about it for a minute. She's like, well, isn't that what mom stands for? M-O-M, I of money. <laughs> and, if, and if money doesn't grow on trees, why do banks have branches? That's what I'm yeah. Reminds me of a story of this woman who is sitting in a train and she is wanting to just take a nap and just rest. And, and, um, and next to her is this lawyer who is wanting to chat it up. And she's like, I just want to take a rest. And, and so he says, let's play a game. And she's like, I don't want to play a game. Let's play, let's play a game. And, and, and she's like, oh, man. She's, the lawyer says, how about this? I'll ask you a question. And if you can't answer it, then you give me $5. But if you, and if you ask me a question and I can't answer it, I'll give you $500. And she's like, well, okay, kind of interested, kind of interested. Lawyer says, all right, what's the distance between the earth and the moon? And he hadn't even hardly gotten the whole question out. And she just reaches five bucks, hands it to him. You know, she's like, I don't really don't want to do this. Here's five bucks. And he's like, what's a question, you know, for you? And, she, and so she says, what goes up a hill with three legs and comes down with four? He's like, hmm, he's thinking about it, thinking about it. Meanwhile, she's starting to doze off again because she's tired and just wanted to rest anyway. He's calling friends. He's Googling it. He's texting everybody. The whole train ride, he is preoccupied trying to figure out what goes up the hill with three and down with four. And at the end, they're, they're getting to their destination and they're loading up. And he's like, yeah, I get, you know what? Here's 500 bucks. I, uh, I can't figure it out. And so she's like, yeah, thanks. You know, put it in a pocket. And he's like, well, what was it? What, what's the answer? She just reaches out and hands him $5. <laughs> prayer is mentioned in the Bible 350 times 350 times prayer is mentioned in the Bible and we just finished up this season of, of fast today is actually day number 14 of our fasting and prayer time and hasn't that been great I mean for everybody who showed up at these prayer meetings we've had in the morning they've been electric they've been really incredible and so now you have to wait till next year but, but I'm telling you they were, they were fantastic over the last two weeks but prayer is mentioned 350 times in the Bible. We talk about prayer all the time, right? You know, loving others is talked about 375 times in the Bible. Yeah, we, we definitely need to talk about loving others. Money, physical possessions and money is mentioned 800 times in the Bible. Oh, man. Okay, all right, all right. 
Well, did Jesus really talk about money? Actually, 65% of his stories mention money or physical possessions. 65% of his stories. Guess what? Money is a thing that in our culture, in our society, it makes the world go round. It is a tool that gets stuff done and you can make things happen. Money is a necessary resource that every one of us have. Varying levels of, but we all have money because God has given it to us and that is just the system that we operate in in our culture. It was no different when Jesus was around. There was a different kind of money, a different kind of currency, a different kind of exchange, but all through humanity you can look and there is a currency or an exchange that is happening that that people use to, to get things done. And it's interesting to think that, you know, well, we talked about the statistics of people that give, and the average person gives around 2.5% of their income away. And as they break the $100,000 a year in annual income, that number doesn't go up. That percentage actually goes down. So we start to think to ourselves, if I just had more money, then I could do more with it. I could give more away. It'd be, I could be more generous. But the stats show that as we make more money, we actually become less generous as a society. I think the church should lead the way in generosity. I think the church should be the people who are, who are rising up and saying, you know what, no, we're going to make a difference with the money that God's given us and everywhere that, that we can go. I, th- I think that biblically there's a model for it, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And, and I think that we can be the people who lead the way in that. The statistics of generosity in our culture, you would think the church statistics would be even better, but it's actually about the same. 10% of church members, this is not our church, but church in general, 10% of church members give consistently, and the average giving is only 2.5%. So generosity in the church and out of the church is actually about the same, which means this, we're in this world, but there's no difference between Christians and non-Christians in this section. Our finances are being ruled the same way that the world rules theirs. Ouch, Right? We should lead the way in generosity. This is important. Everything is connected. In fact, finances are are, um, such a a big influence in who we are and what we do and the decisions that we make in life. The number one reason for divorce, financial problems. Which means this, if you don't get your finances right, your relationships will suffer. If you don't get your finances right, your, your kids will suffer. If you've ever grown up in a house where you didn't have enough and the lack was there and you, as a kid you could even feel it and, and, and it shapes the way you look at money when you realize your parents struggled with money. And as a kid you grow up and you're thinking, well, I, how do I manage money because I saw my parents manage it but, but maybe not do great. And I'm not talking about my specific parents, I'm just general parents in case you're watching mom and dad, I'm not. <clears throat> my folks taught me this kind of same lesson when I was a kid. They talked about the Bible, the Bible talked about money, and I want to tell you that I've seen a blessing in my life from a young age all the way up in regards to finances. But today we're going to look through a few different points in Scripture, and the first place we're going to look is Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bible with you, if you have paper, you can open that up, if you have digital, you can do that. We don't discriminate, you can have any kind of Bible you want, and if you forgot one or you're just too lazy to open it, we'll put it on the screen for you too. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How many of you guys know that, that you can make very wise investments with your finances here on earth 
and they can still fall apart. Anybody in crypto lately? Come on, right? That thing just dropped in half. In the stock market right now, stock market's taking a little bit of a hit, right? You can store up money and you can store up resources and treasures on earth and it's not necessarily stable. You want to think that it is and I like to think it is and I think you should have investments. I'm not doubting that. You should invest in your future so that you have something to hang on to when you're getting older in years. You should have financial resources for sure. But you can see how volatile it is that you see the ups and the downs that go on in our world and how different cycles of, of whatever it might be influence it up and down. <coughs> you see, we can say with our mouth all we want that we love Jesus, but Jesus says where your treasure is, there your heart is. So what are you investing in? Where is your treasure? Where do you put it? Where do you invest it? There's a lot of good things to invest in. I'm not saying don't do that. But you should really calibrate it and say, okay, am I following what God's commands are and am I investing money in the way that God is showing me to do it? Your treasure reveals what is most important to you. In terms of our approach to following Jesus, all we have to do is examine what, what we treasure and we can clearly see how serious we are. So, we're going to look at some financial stuff this morning. If you're like tired of me talking about money, I understand. This is the last week of the series, just so you know. Next week is going to be an amazing message. Ephesians chapter 3 says this, God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does, not, he, he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us and his spirit deeply and gently within us. So, We've got to pause, pray, and position our hearts, especially in regard to finances. We've got to be in a place where we, we take the time to stop and reflect. Because the machine of life is still cranking. You can get up and keep right in your flow, but if you don't stop and pause and pray and then analyze and say, okay, God, how should we prioritize everything? How should I position my heart? We've got to be intentional with our finances. And that's this, is, is that we need to run our money. Our money doesn't need to run us. That's the difference. And so if you just get caught up in, in the race of kind of keep up with everything, you can be in a position where the money's running you. And God didn't give you the resources of money so that it can rule you. He gave you those resources so that you could rule it and direct it where it needs to go. But there's some attitudes towards money in the church. Not our church, of course, but, but in some churches out there, there are some attitudes towards money. <clears throat> a bad attitude is like a flat tire. You can't go anywhere until you change it. Bad attitudes are like a flat tire. Number one is this. One of the attitudes is, is all they want is my money. Anybody heard that accusation about the church? Oh, all they want is, is my money. The church is just after the money. I'll say this. First of all, that accusation is probably founded in a bad experience. It's probably founded in a bad experience. And, and if that's your attitude and that's your position, if that's the way you feel about it, I, I want to say that, that I'm sorry. As a pastor of a church, I'm sorry that you felt that way. I'm sorry that, that you had an experience that was negative. Somebody may have manipulated you. Somebody may have tried to coerce you. Somebody may have beaten you up about it. I, I just want to say, as a pastor, I'm sorry that some other pastor or religious leader or faith person did that to you. Because it's not okay. It's not. It's not okay, and it should never, it should never be done in, in that manner. 
Second, the conversation about tithing and generosity is way more about our hearts than our bank accounts. God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. But, but our money is a good indicator of where our heart is. Where are we putting it? Where are we going? What's direction look like? Our finances are a barometer of where our heart's at. In fact, in Deuteronomy, it says the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in our lives. The purpose of tithing is to put God in our life, first in our life. It's the principle of that. You see, I think God is quite okay with you having other loves in your life, but they need to be underneath him. He needs to be the first love and the first priority in your life. In Malachi probably has the most famous verse about this. In, first, in the first week of the series, we kind of went through a little bit of these verses. But in Malachi chapter 3, it says, Will a mere mortal rob God, but yet you rob me? How are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under, your cur- you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. See, the word tithe doesn't mean the money you give to church. The word tithe actually means one-tenth. It's 10%. Notice in Malachi, there's a distinction between tithes and offerings. They're different forms of generosity. And you have the tithe and you have offering, which is kind of above and beyond. Which means this, that tithing isn't the ceiling of Christian generosity, it's the floor. That's, That's like kind of the minimum. And then you start to see offerings going above that when you start to bless other things and other people. You see... Stewarding our resources is what the biblical model is. It's being a good steward of our resources. Because really, the reality is we don't own anything. The resources that come into our life come from God. They're in our, in our care, and we're supposed to manage them in the way that he wants us to manage them. So the underlying attitude that can creep up in regards to finances is this. It's mine. Stop telling me what to do with it. Church, we've got to understand that everything belongs to the Lord. It does. Everything belongs to the Lord. But it's mine. Well, is it? So I, I, my, my kids have phones. They're old enough to have iPhones. And so, so we've, we've, we've got phones, and they've got phones. And, um, and, and so everybody here has a phone, I'm sure. Um, but but here's, here's what we got is I... They have them. I'm not, I'm not sure what they do with them all the time. Texting friends. You know, they're uh, texting us occasionally. They're um, maybe playing games. Um, there's FaceTime that goes on between them and friends. And, 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 and there's a, it's a communication device. So I bought these phones, and I say, hey, these are, these are my phones, but I'm going to let you use them. These are my phones, and I'm going to let you use them. So there was this conversation that was had a while back, and, and uh, the kids are like, well, I know they're your phones and you're letting us use them, but can I just call it my phone so it makes it easier? Yeah, yeah, you can call it your phone, but it's my phone, and I'm letting you use it. Everybody, every parent in here, I learned this lesson before I had kids because I was a youth pastor, and I saw parents handle things with their kids, and and, and I, I saw some people handle things in certain ways and other ways, and I learned this lesson by watching other people. And that is this, is that when you give your kids things, especially nice things, they're your things, and you're letting them use them. That, that, that's it, because it's teaching them stewardship and understanding that, that the device that's in their hand is not theirs, it's mine, 
and they need to care for it because it's mine, it's not theirs. And, and every one of you have done this, you treat other people's stuff better than your own. When someone brings a dish to your house and they leave it behind, what do you do? Oh, you're really careful with that. You don't want to break that dish. You clean it. You probably wash that dish better than you ever washed any other dishes in your life. Because when you give it back to them, it is sparkling clean and in perfect condition. Why? Because you treat their stuff better than yours. When you look at your stuff as if this is not my stuff, this is God's stuff, I'm going to care for that in that way. So, so I'm teaching my kids stewardship with the phone. Well, there's other advantages to teaching stewardship this way. Because if it's my phone, I can take it back if I want to. I can ground them from it if I want to. That hasn't happened yet. They're sitting here this morning. They're listening. They know. We've had this conversation. Who owns the phones? Dad does. Who uses them? The kids do. Who owns your finances and your resources? God does. Who uses them? You do. You see, just like your finances, these phones are a tool. The power that we have in the palm of our hand. Entire political uprisings happen because people have phones in their hands. They can tweet and send and social media out rally points and information. Complete countries have toppled in the last 10 years over regimes that have risen up and overthrown governments because of the power that they have in their hand. This right here is an amazing tool. The Bible says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. But I think if it was in today's day, they'd, say, they'd probably say the power of life and death is in your thumb. Because we can tweet things and send things and message things. They didn't have one of these back then. But the communication, the power of life and death is in each and every one of our hands. You know, with, with this device right here, you can be bullied and bully. With this device right here, you can tear people down or lift them up. You have something in your hand that can have massive impact in people's lives. Which is why we have to be careful with what we're doing with this. Which is why as a parent, I have parental controls over my kids' devices. I can approve what apps they can and can't do. They don't know this. I can see way more of their activity than they understand. And I can monitor it from a distance. And I can see what's going on. And I can watch from a distance. And I have the power in my hands to not even touch their device, but raise and lower the amount of freedom and amount of stuff that can come in and out of their device. Just like your finances. God has entrusted it with you, but he has the power to throttle it up and throttle it down. How are you handling what God's given you? Because the, the, the principle in the Bible is that, is that if you're faithful with little, he'll give you faithful with much. Are you faithful with what he's already given you? Can you, can, can you handle more? Because if you can't handle what you already have, why would he give you more to mismanage? We forget that we've been provided, that what we have has been provided by, by, by someone else. It's been provided by God. Our resources have been provided by him to be able to be a tool that can be used. And, and your, your resources, your financial resources can be used for good or bad. There's plenty of good that can be done and plenty of bad that can be done. Finances don't make you a better or worse person. In fact, they say that an influx of excess finances into your account, and into your life, is a revealer of who you already were. Which is why when you see people who win the lottery, 
so many of them end up broken, divorced, and broken, broken families because they had character issues on the inside that couldn't handle the weight of what they want. Which means this is, is, is maybe you haven't received more because God wants to do something in you before he can do something through you. And if he were to give you everything that you wanted right now, it would crush you. My dad would say that's free. And if you know my dad, anything that's not in his notes, he's like, well, that was free. <coughs> Tithing's in the New Testament. We've talked about that on week one. Even Jesus said, hey, don't, don't neglect one without the other. And taking care of people as well as taking care of finances. The second um, objection, the second bad attitude that we can have towards, towards money in the church is, is this, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. In Malachi 3, it continues, it says, test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there'll not be room enough to store it. And, I'll, and I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines in your fields, and, I, and they will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord. The Lord challenges here to, us here to test him in this. It's one of the only areas in the scripture where he says it. So test him. Sometimes churches and Christians, we can get legalistic about this stuff. I, I hear horror stories about it. I've never experienced it. I've, I've never had a pastor show up at my door and saying, where's your tithes? But I've heard stories of people that that's happened to. I, I'll never do that, just so you know. I'll never show up at your door. I've heard of churches that color code people based on how much money they give. The more money you give, the more access you have the more preference you have. We don't do that here. Never have, never will. Because I think it's manipulative and wrong. See, God is about the heart, not about the dollar amount. We're not going to have like VIP seating areas based on how much money you give. It's not going to happen. I'll tell you this too, just so you know, um, I don't look at individual donor lists. I get a weekly number. This is what came in this week. I get monthly numbers. This is how much is going on this month. I get quarterly numbers. We look at it from, are the bills being paid? Is the budget being managed perspective? I don't look at who individually is doing these different things. I don't look at the donor list. Here's what I, what, what I want you to take from this step in trusting God. Is this, is that you will be blessed. Because that is what it says in the Bible, is that you will be blessed. Listen, I don't want you to do this for me. I want you to do this for you. Number three, someone else will pay for it. I went to lunch with a friend of mine. Uh, it's a couple of years ago. Um, uh, Jim, Jim Curtis, who was a longtime member here and passed away. And, um, and I went to lunch with Jim, and, uh, and, and I got out of my truck, and I was walking into the restaurant. And I was walking, as I'm walking through the restaurant, you know that moment where they go, hey, and you're like, hey, and you're walking. It was right at that moment as I'm walking to meet him that I realized that I didn't have my wallet. And I was like, well, what do I do? It might be in my truck. And then as I'm thinking for a minute, as I'm walking across the restaurant, I'm thinking, did I even bring, is it sitting at home still? Here I am, the pastor, going to meet somebody in my church for lunch, and I have no way to pay for it. What am I going to do? And so I go over and I sit down and I, I tell him, hey, I'm so embarrassed. 
as I was walking across the room, I realized I did not have my wallet. And any, I know, like, I invited you, but any chance that, any chance that you wouldn't mind paying today? <laughs> and he laughed. How awkward is that conversation? He paid, just so you know. So I ordered steak and lobster and everything else they had. I was like, good, I'm really hungry, man. I'll take three of these and four of those. And yeah. <clears throat> it's funny, though, because sometimes people come to church the same way. They'll come up to church and they'll be like, well, I forgot my wallet. You know what? Somebody else will cover it. But see, the reason that we have a church today that's able to be a blessing today is because people before you have paid the way. Right? You're sitting in chairs that somebody else paid for in a building that other people are currently paying for. There is a mortgage. But, we, you know, we just had to put a roof on the building. You know, that wasn't cheap. Um, we have to fix air conditioners and actually heat it and cool it as well. It's interesting, like, it, to heat and cool a building the size is a substantial cost. And, and then we have curriculum for kids and materials for kids. And, and, and then, you know, we have toilets with toilet paper ready to go, you know. You know, it's not BYO. It's, it's we got it here for you. You know, and why do we have it here? Well, because it's being paid for. How? The body of Christ is funding this place, right? And, and if, you're, if you're someone who is, is contributing and giving and tithing, I mean, we, we have what we have because we're able to go and reach more people. But if you're getting involved or you're a believer and you're coming in, and then there's a point where you're like, is this my church? And if it is, well, let's be a contributor, not a consumer. Because a consumer mentality can creep in. And, and I'm telling you that, that that isn't what Jesus did. That's not what the church is. The church is not a consumer event. It's not a consumer mentality. It's participation. There's a, a book called Money, Possessions, and Eternity, and the author's name is Randy Alcorn, and, and he wrote this, and, and I think we've got this quote for the screen, and it says, one day, everyone must answer these three questions. Where did it all go? What did I spend it on? And what has been accomplished for eternity through my use of all this wealth. God has entrusted us with stuff. And there has to be, there will be a point in your life if you haven't had this reflection moment of how much money have I made over the course of my life? Have you ever thought that? Add it up one day. How much money have you made over the course of your life? And where did it go? And what kind of impact has it had? It's humbling. So I've got some practical advice. I have more points. When the time is late, there's a fine line between a drawn-out sermon and a hostage situation. <laughs> Here we go, baby. Here we go. Number one, live by percentages. Everything in life runs on percentages. Everything in life runs on If you want to buy a house, the mortgage broker looks at your finances and figures out what your debt-to-income percentages are. They say, what can you afford based on percentages? If you're going to be investing in anything, stock market, you want to know what kind of percentage of return you're going to get on it. When you look at your portfolio of investments, if you do this, you end up seeing how much did we make or lose in percentages. Percentages is what rules the, the, the financial world. This is kind of the, 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 what everybody's looking at to see what's the return going to be on investment. I think God's the same way. What's the percentages look like? Even in the Bible, they talk about tithing percentage. So how about this? What's the percentages that you break your income down by? Like, what are you investing in? Right? You got, I mean, what are you going to cover? You got to cover kids' education, fashion, clothing. You got to look good. I, I, I tell you what, we may not be the biggest church in town, but we are the best looking church in town. I don't know what your fashion budget is, but it is 
on point. Health and fitness, right? We're going to the gym. We're picking stuff up. We're putting it back down. We're running and not going anywhere. Maybe, maybe tanning, cosmetic surgery. I mean, I don't know. Whatever you're into. Your spending habits reveal your priorities. Your spending habits reveal your priorities. Show me your bank statement. I'll show you your priorities. And if, it's, if, if my money is actually God's money, I think he expects you to manage it well. I do. So here's what we've got. If, if your finances are running you and you're not running your finances, here's where you start. Dave Ramsey has some, a great, um, great starting place to go, right? And, and he breaks it down to percentages. We're going to put all of his percentages up on the screen here because um, the, the percentages, that, uh, the graphic um, that, that, that is there, there you go. Yeah, so, so here's what Dave Ramsey does. He breaks it down in these types of percentages. And, and you might want to take your phone out and take a picture, or you can Google it later. But, but like housing, clothing, medical, utilities, recreational, personal, giving, transport, savings, food, insurance. And you start looking at it, like, like I think you need to break down your personal bank account and say, your personal budget, and say, how am I budgeting? How am I doing here? Am I out of whack? Is there an adjustment that needs to be made? Once you have a firm grasp on your finances, these percentages are here, but what happens is you learn ways to bring them down, which means as you start making more money, um, and then, you know, instead of having a 25% housing, maybe that starts to go down in percentage. Will your house payment go down? No, but your income went up. Here's the temptation. I just got a new job. I'm going to buy a new car. And that, that, that's what happens. And so then our transportation costs go above and beyond what we think they should be. It gets out of whack. It gets out of balance. Maybe God wants to give you more income so that you can be generous with some other people in your life. Maybe he wants to, to have a conduit, have you as a conduit of blessing that, to go through your life. Maybe that's what happens. And so if we aren't keeping our percentages in the right adjustment, it, it sets us up for failure. If we, it really does. If your percentages are off, it sets you up for failure. And, and so we've got to get our budget percentages in the right way. What's amazing is that when you start to make more money, you see your percentages go down, and all of a sudden you're able to save more than what the, the baseline percentage is. It becomes a game. I don't know if you've ever gotten there in your life where you're like, oh, I'm currently saving 8%. Oh, look, now we can save 9 And it's like, a, it's like a video game. You can see the percentages going up as you go, right? Maybe you see the bank account balance starting to go up a little bit instead of always like struggling at one point. You start to make it a game, and when you make more money, you don't think I can buy more stuff you think, oh, I get to have an opportunity to save more money to be able to eventually invest or give or, or do whatever God wants me to do with that money. You've got to have margin in your budget to be a blessing. Because if you're consuming everything that's coming in, you're a consumer, and God wants to actually bless you and bless through you to other people. But if you eat everything that's given to you, you're not in a place to be able to bless others. Okay, that was number one, live by percentages. Number two, become a conduit for God's blessing. Become a conduit for God's blessing. God wants to bless people around you, and he wants to do it through you. So there's three kinds of conduits. Three kinds of conduits. The first conduit is, is a flint. A flint is a stone. You know, back before they had lighters, you had to hit the flint to get sparks. If you hit it hard enough, you get a lot of sparks, and chips come off, and you can light fires. And, and, and so... Are you a flint? Does God have to hit you hard enough in order to get you to do anything? Don't be a flint. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's not the kind of conduit that we need to be as believers. You could be a sponge. Sponges are great. 
They soak up everything around them. And the only way that they do ever give is when God squeezes them a little bit to be able to get them to give. Don't be a sponge. Don't be a sponge. In our culture, I think it's easier to be a sponge than a flint because we're such a, such a consumeristic culture. It's easy just to soak up everything around us and, and just for ourselves and consume. Let's, let's not be that. I think there's a different kind of conduit that God wants us to be, and that's a honeycomb. You pick up a honeycomb, and the sweetness just oozes out of it. And, and there's an aroma that's there that everybody's attracted to, and there's a taste that's there that people want to taste and be part of it. Let's be honeycomb-type people in, in this world that we're living in. Can I get an amen on that one? Right? Let's be, let's be honeycombs everywhere that we go. We're actually going to wrap up with this if the band would come. And I originally told the band just like keyboard first and then everybody else. But if we can just bring everybody at once, that'd be, that'd be wonderful. <clears throat> and the third thing is this, is that we need to choose stewardship. Which means we need to put everything that God has given us under his authority. And the temptation is to let God rule part of our life, but not all of our life. Reminds me of a story. Back in the Middle Ages, churches would hire mercenaries to go do their, their like, dirty work. And you think, that seems really weird. Like, why would you have to hire, like, mercenaries to go and fight your battles? I think today we hire lawyers, just, right? Because we hire lawyers to fight our battles in, in this culture. Back then, they just, like, went, sent somebody with a sword to take care of business. Seems like it might be more efficient with a sword. Um, thoughts for another day. All right. But this church, the churches would hire mercenaries, and but in order for them to go do God's work, they had to baptize them first, right? You got to be a holy mercenary, you know. You don't want to just go, yeah. So, so what they would do is they would get them all. They would come to, to church and they would baptize them and 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 send them on their holy mission to go and do whatever they needed to get done. And, and so they would come in and they would baptize them first. They would have them all dressed up in their armor and their suit, whatever they're going to do, fully dressed, and they would dunk them in the water. But what the mercenaries would do is they would hold their sword out of the water. So they would dunk them entirely underwater. Everything got wet except for the sword. And they say, God, you can be in charge of my heart and my life and my mind, but God, don't touch the sword because I need the sword to do some battle. I need the sword to do some work. And they, they would hold that out. What is it that, that we hold out from, from God's blessing? What is it that we hold out from, on, from God's control? Because we all have things that we do that with. God, you can have everything, but, but God, I, I'm taking, I'm in control of my kids. God, you can have, you can have everything, but, but no, like, I, I'm in charge of my marriage. No, no, God, you can have everything, but I'm in control of my, my thoughts. God, I'm in control of this. I'm, I'm going to be in control of this part, God. You can have that part. And for, and for some of us, the wallet is what we hold out. God, you can have everything else, but you can't be in control of my money. I, I think today, God, I know today, God wants to set somebody free from financial lack and hardship. And um, in preparing for this message, I felt like God was downloading some stuff into my thoughts and into my mind, and, and, um, and, and I've, I've, I've uh, honestly struggled with it um, because I don't like this type of conversation that happens in churches, but, but we're going to have it. And this is um, something that um, I stand here um, in an awkward place, insecure a little bit. And, and so here, and here's what it is, is that I know that God has 
blessed me and my family financially in different areas. And I know that God has opened up doors of financial provision in our household that has been phenomenal. And um, over the years, just, just over and over and over and over again, I was talking with a friend of mine and he's like, he told me, I was at this party this, this past winter and he was like, it's crazy, money just finds you. Like, I don't, like, why does money just get attracted to you? And I was like, that's funny, I don't really feel like that. And I realized that, that God has opened doors of provision in my life and given me um, an unusual blessing in this area. And, and leading up to this sermon series, I, I really felt like God said, I'm giving you an anointing, not just for your life, but you might pour it out in somebody else's life. And so today, I'm gonna pray over all of us at the end here. And, and I really believe that God's gonna bring financial provision into your life. And he's gonna bring a breakthrough in your life. And, and he's blessed me in this area. And, and, I, and, and, I, and I hate this kind of like, you know, TV preacher, you know, <laughs> let me bless your finances stuff. I, I, I get really turned off by that stuff, but I really believe that God wants to set some breakthrough in some people's lives today. And, and it's not about giving money to, to this church or giving money. I just believe God wants to do it. And he's blessed me and I think he wants to do it. And be, I wanna be a honeycomb blessing to people around me of like, let's, let's release, let's unlock some things that God wants to unlock into your life. And, and here's what, I, I, <clears throat> I'm trying to phrase this exactly, but, but I'll phrase it this way. God doesn't make tables and chairs. Um, and people are praying for tables and chairs. God, if I could just have this table, if I could just have this chair. And, and, and follow, follow me. So this is all free, by the way. Um, the, but, but God doesn't make tables and chairs. But so many times we pray for tables and chairs in our lives. God, if you could just give me this, if you could just give me that. See, God, God doesn't make tables and chairs. God makes trees. And he gave you the ability to make tables and chairs. We serve a God that has an, an infinite amount of resource. And I believe that he's given you a mind of creativity to be able to figure out how to, how to make the tables and chairs in your life. And so, so this is my prayer. This is my prayer for everyone that's here this morning, is that, is that God would unlock creative ways for you to attract more finances into your life. But that, that, that it's, it's not that they're not out there. God made the trees. Can you make the tables and chairs? So will you stand with me this morning? Will you stand with me this morning? And, and I just want to pray this over, over everyone's life here this morning. If, if you feel comfortable, even reach your hands out like you're receiving. And so God, I just, right now, I know that you're telling me to, to pray this blessing over our church. God, I, I, I am asking that you would unlock the resources of heaven over the lives of the people who are here and following you this morning. God, you have unlocked resources in my life. And so I say, God, it's not something you can't do. God, I'm saying it's something that you've done before. And I'm just calling on you, God, just to do it again. To unlock the resources. God, I pray that you would drop creative ideas into everyone's mind here this morning. God, that you would drop something inside of them that they would, they would realize that, that you are their provision and that everything that they could possibly want or need, God, you have already made a way for them to, to have it. But God, that you would put into them the understanding that, 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 that you've made the trees so that you can make the tables and the chairs. So God, I'm asking right now that you would unlock mentalities, unlock bondages. God, there are generational curses that people's families have lived with, with in the regards of finances. 
where my mom and dad did this and their mom and dad this and, and this is what we've seen and everybody in my family deals with these types of issues but God I'm saying today in the name of Jesus break it wide open set new mindsets release the bondages that have been in there God open up their eyes to see God open our eyes to see everything that you have for us God not that we might be a sponge but God that we might be a honeycomb that just oozes your blessings that you've been pouring onto us and to everybody else around us. God, I'm asking for a church that learns how to live on the 20% and gives away the 80%. A church that doesn't live on the 80, but lives on the 20. Not that we, our expenses go down, but God, that your income goes up so that we might be a conduit of blessing everywhere that we go. God, let a church be known as a house that funds ministry everywhere in the world. May not be the biggest church in town, but God, I'm asking that you would make us a church that has wealth that supplies for every project and need that comes to our door. God, let us be a church that, that touches those who are far from you and touches the very needs of our culture and our city and our state and our country and our world. God, I, I know that, 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 that you have, you're looking for people that can work that way. And so God, I'm asking that you would unlock our church and the people in our church to be able to receive everything that you've given. God, correct our character where necessary. Correct the thing inside of us so that we might be able to flow through and not just be a sponge for everything that you've given. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. We believe in a God that works miracles. We believe in a God that does these things. And our prayer teams ahead of service are always praying, God, what do you want to do today? And we have our prayer teams around. Some of them are ready for you on the other side of the auditorium. And they'll pray over you with anything. If you need financial breakthrough, I really feel like there's an anointing for that today. Come forward, receive prayer, because I really believe there's something there um, that, that God has really been telling me. But, but then, um, you know, we believe this is a breakthrough season. In fact, I think our church is about to have a massive breakthrough. Not just personally, but corporately. We're about to have a breakthrough into everything he's got. But even in that, I feel like the, our, our prayer teams, they had said this. They felt like that there was somebody had maybe some leg vein issue going on that God wants to heal today, an ear, nose, and throat issue, some foot calluses, um, obesity being broken off. Maybe somebody has struggled with this for a while and they've been trying everything, but, but God wants to do something miraculous there. Insomnia um, <coughs> are things that they've been, praying, they've been praying for and they feel like they've heard from God on. And so if you're dealing with any of that stuff, please come forward, receive prayer. We want to pray with you. If you need prayer for any reason at all, though, feel free to come forward. We're going to sing one last song before we leave. Um, and God bless you guys and have a wonderful, wonderful week.